Hello and welcome to the ALC Pan-African Radio's magazine program where we bring you highlights of news from across the African continent. When you think about creative arts, the first thing that comes to mind is the brain's ability to make sense of what the eye can see. But this perception is changing. Across Africa and the world, contemporary African creatives are taking up increasingly prominent and political positions. African artists are using music, film, fashion and contemporary art, driving social change and shifting narratives both at home and abroad. ALC Pan-African Radio Magazine program spoke to four African artists from the four corners of the continent about the different forms of arts they are using from music, fashion, technology, the challenges and problems faced by activists, the different ways and platforms artists are using to express themselves, the misconceptions that surround the industry and how they have managed to go about that. This is Munira Chayeb. I'm the presenter of this program called the Magazine Program. If you can kindly tell us your name, where you come from and what you do. My name is Bitume Elotumi with Hawaii Motswatswe and I am from South Africa. I currently head up programs at Business and, uh, Business and Arts South Africa. You took part in uh, tonight's event, uh, which is Art and um, Activism in Africa 2020. And um, you raised the point of um, how important it is to give more funding to art in Africa. Why do you think that is so important? Um, I didn't actually put a lot of emphasis on funding. I think what I do appreciate is that there's already great support and great intention to support financially the sector in Africa, the creative sector in Africa. I think what I'm trying to advocate for rather is meaningful contributions and meaningful exchanges where um, those who do have money can really appreciate the value, the holistic value of the arts, which is not just economic, which includes things like social value, educational value, transformational value, and really creating spaces where that collaboration and that understanding that while I have the money, you have the ideas, you have the lived experience, you have the creativity that could potentially help me in my business, that could potentially help me in my agenda. So I think for me, it's more than just about the funding. It's about a great uh, holistic support for the arts that appreciates that it's not just about the quantitative stuff, but it's really about a qualitative of experience that can change mindsets, that can shift paradigms and cultivate critical thinking. Mm -hmm. uh, and where do you think this approach, this holistic attitude uh, should come from? Is it from African states themselves or from the outside? I think from everyone. Everyone who's creating art needs to think um, on a holistic level. So sometimes we tend to want artists to become businesses or to become entrepreneurs. But we're saying, no, think about what other value can you uh, contribute to economies, to spaces, to communities. I'm also saying that those who are looking from the outside in should look, um, look, you know, to themselves to think about how am I engaging in the sector? How am I contributing or promoting or supporting or creating space for the sector to thrive? It doesn't technically have to be their job, but if they're wanting to engage with the sector, if they're wanting to engage with the creative sector or the creative sector in Africa, they need to look at, um, different benefits and different different um, 
um, the, 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 the holistic impact of, of the creative sector. And again, I want to say, like, if we're going to focus on money and funding um, or financial resources, then we might actually be doing a disservice because the art wasn't created for that. That is not the original intention of why we do art. It's really about uh, holding up critical uh, mirrors to society so for people to can reflect on themselves, to reflect on how they are being, how they're thinking, how they're existing in relation to others. Um, and so for me, it's more than just about the money. It's really about uh, a qualitative experience that I think the art is able to, to contribute to society. It's not always tangible, but we know it's there. Can you talk a little bit um, more to us about uh, the cost of activi activism, a point that you have uh, raised at this forum? So I raised the, the, the point about the cost of activism. I think that a lot of artists grow up wanting to create art that, you know, reflects their people, reflects their communities, speaks back to, to, to different uh, systems and, and challenges different systems. But when you challenge a system, you need to know that they will come for you. The system will come for you. And the system will hit you where it hurts the most. So as an artist, you want to perform in different spaces. You want to be visible in certain um, um, platforms. And if the people you're speaking about own those platforms, then you know that you might be excluded and even blacklisted from that, from those spaces. So, so it's very, it's very tricky and exciting at the same time. It's an opportunity and also a challenge in that while you are blacklisted or, or, or arrested or killed, you know, it creates more conversation about the very issue that you're uh, speaking about, you know, but you need to be, you need to choose um, your struggles um, very carefully and think about where it's going to hit you the most and whether you can sustain yourself post that. So as a mom, can you afford to not have money? As somebody who is vocal and has self-expression at the core of their values are you okay with being in prison you know what does that actually look like what does mental illness look like when you feel like you're alone when you feel like yay we were all in the struggle we were all painting pictures and and posting you know words on twitter but when they get arrested or when you get arrested where are your friends where are your colleagues where are your peers are you willing to 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 make that sacrifice and it's probably worse for a an African woman artist, like the example you mentioned of the Ugandan artist. Yes, um, it's lonely. Activism is lonely. Activism is dangerous. Activism is, is, yeah, it's dangerous. But it's why, it's why we responded to the call. Um, and only those who really believe in the cause will stick it out. But I think, it's a conversation to be had in terms of different ways of activism. So can, can someone like me sit on a panel and activism in a particular way? Can I sit in a particular policy making meeting and activism in a different way? You know, so how can we also split ourselves and, and leverage of our strengths to act? You know, to challenge, to dismantle, but in ways that are sustainable, in ways that are strategic and in ways that we know even tomorrow, when our friend is, is arrested, we've put policies in place that can get them out of there um, instead of just hoping to God. And finally, do you think that danger that maybe African artists, when they turn activists in some countries, face is changing with the world focusing on Africa more now with social media and how social media is being used to 
maybe change attitudes to impact on governments? What I know is that social media is driving some change. It is a tool that has been powerful and effective. But what I also know is that if you're just going to do that randomly without putting proper systems in place that ensure that once you've posted and said what you wanted to say and your government and the policies that are in place go against that, then that is dangerous. So for me, I feel like, yes, it is raising global conversations and, and, and stimulating conversations about, you know, changing these systems, cha- changing these oppressive uh, policies and, and, and ways of, of, of leadership and, and, and of governance. Um, but it's not as easy as we think it is. There are some countries where it's real. There are some countries that still believe that being gay is wrong. There are countries that believe that being vocal is wrong. Every time I meet colleagues from other African countries, they always say, oh, yeah, you South Africans, yeah, because you've got your constitution, you're vocal. And I understand that that is a privilege that does not exist in all the other African countries. So, yes, let's keep pushing, let's keep speaking, let's keep challenging, but let's also write. Let's also make sure that we are doing this from different um, angles, not just um, on stage or exhibitions, in the creation, in the conceptualizations, in the policies, um, in the implementation, in the reporting. Let us drive a holistic change that really um, ensures that in the next 10 years we don't have to be activists, that we can actually just be artists, you know. I think some of us would like to create music for the sake of escaping entertainment, but... Yeah, right now we can't afford not to speak about uh, systems that are problematic, toxic, and not pro- uh, progressive. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Thank you. I am Valerie Asimwe Amani. I'm an artist, an art coordinator coordinator and an art practitioner in general and I currently am based in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania. You talked about African youth and social media and how important that is to change things basically. Can you elaborate a bit more on that? I think um, there is generally a perception where African youth are more comfortable in expressing themselves on social media and especially with channels like Snapchat, Instagram and um, platforms that maybe they feel like their parents or people in their families don't really have access to where they can be more free and more creative. And also in Tanzania alone, we have over 2.4 million Instagram users. And there are a lot of young um, Tanzanians that are um, coming up with Instagram stores um, and ways of exchanging their art and exchanging opinions through these platforms. So it's become, and it's because it's very difficult for the government to keep tabs on, on everything on social media. So it's become really a playground for young people to be able to have fun and express themselves. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, you talked about cultural appropriation mm-hmm. um, uh, of African art, maybe. Mm-hmm. Can you, and even fashion and mm-hmm. uh, African clothing, could you talk a little bit about whether that is still happening and how, how much you think it is still a problem? Um, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's, I think it's definitely still a problem. I think this is the issue when we are talking about about diversification or globalization of African culture, because in many ways that can also be the dilution of African culture. Because in many ways, when you look at movies like The Black Panther, um, The Lion King, um, when you look at 
clothing stores and brands like Louis Vuitton representing African culture, they are diluting it to be more palatable to a Western um, and wider market. And while traditionally it's for us, it's by us, for us. Um, so I think there needs to be an understanding or more a respectful approach to using Africa-inspired symbols, clothing, textiles, music um, when going into the global markets and really paying tribute to where it comes from. And if big brands like Louis Vuitton are going to be using Maasai fabrics, they should have a big responsibility to clearly give a history about those fabrics and why they're worn. And, um, or else people will just think, oh, it's, so, it's just cool to wear this Maasai fabric when for someone else, that's their way of living. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now even African hairstyles and African mm. features are becoming quite fashionable, um, you know, in the West as well. So mm-hmm. that's part of the same idea, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, exactly. part of the same narrative. Africans representing themselves in times of turmoil. That's mm-hmm. another point you raised. Mm-hmm. Could you explain a bit more um, what you mean by that, whether it is time mm-hmm. that Africans, when they are facing a crisis, when there is an issue facing an African country, that it's an African who speaks about it or deals mm-hmm. with it? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's definitely important for us to tell our own narratives. And sometimes things get lost in translation when they go through. It's like broken telephone. It's like you whisper something to someone and and then they say it in a different way, and then the next person says it in a different way. So it's important that we speak about our own suffering. I was actually earlier speaking to a girl, and she was telling me about she's from here, but she has African origins, and she was talking about, for example, clothing and in, in Africa and how... Um, it's difficult for some women to dress in certain ways, but she had no context from it. And while speaking to her, I could give her context based on my own experiences of going to government offices and being turned back because my dress is too tight. So I think it's really important for us to tell our own stories because it gives more context, it gives more information, and it paints the picture clearer than someone else talking about what we're going through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You gave the example of Rwanda mm-hmm. as a country who has achieved self-sustainability and can be an example to the rest of of Africa. Um, Could you explain a bit about how that can happen and whether it can happen at some point? I think um, a lot has to do with two things, obviously the leadership and education. Um, I think education-wise, Africa continentally has a long way to go. but Rwanda has a very strong education system, and Kagame put a lot of effort and um, public funds into developing the education system. Um, and with education, I think you have power in order to understand how businesses work, understand how people work, understand how to present yourself in certain situations. Um, and politically, our leaders, um, a lot of them have their own personal interests at heart. Um, and we suffer from um, corruption. Um, and we also are loyal to governments that, quote-unquote, freed us from colonization. So we are blindly loyal to governments, although they are hurting us, because there is this um, loyalty of, oh, but th- this is the government that took us out of oppression. Um, and so it becomes difficult to get through to the masses, which are people in the villages, people not in the cities, people not um, voting for the opposition party, but these are people who are still living in very rural, low-income areas that are supporting regimes that are harming the country. Um, so definitely leadership and education would be where to start. So you think it all ends up with the leader of the 
of a particular country and what his or her priorities are. Yeah, definitely, because also the leader has the power to instill fear or to instill hope. And a lot of African country leaders, unfortunately, have chosen to instill fear. And so the people become afraid to imagine differently. The people become afraid to step out and to fight because they're like, what will happen to me? I'm not going to go fight in the street if I'm going to die and not be able to feed my children, you know. So I think fear is really um, a barrier to creating safe spaces to creating this African utopia where we can all understand each other where there is open governance where people can actually control what's happening in their country through um, community meetings through um, smaller governing bodies than just the top people than just the ministers and the presidents you know so um, yeah You're listening to the ALC Pan-African Radio Magazine program on arts and activism my name is Khuman. I'm a rapper. I'm from Senegal. In um, this event, uh, you made some um, interesting, important points about how hip-hop mm-hmm. used to be the grandson of the blues, yeah. jazz, and jazz all that. And, and yeah. now that has changed. Yes. Could you explain a bit more what you meant by that? You know, um, hip-hop um, uh, is a grandson of you know, soul. Of uh, R&B, of uh, the chant in the in the in the plantation um, plantation, the Ken plantation, and uh, all this represents the the like the fight of the black people. The black people use they take the um, they take the essence. The fight was in the plantation. The fight, the way they was communicating, they took it from Africa. And if you say when a rapper is is speaking. It seems like it's an African man, like, yeah, because rap is created by black men, you know. But inside of this music, there was a lot of misery, there was a lot of sufferings, there was a lot of, you know, tears, because a lot of black people get killed in this field, you know. So the hip-hop, and then it changed, because the, in the field, the plantation, the master didn't want the, 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 the singers, they didn't want them to, to mourn, to cry. They just want them to have what they call the work chant to give them encouragement, you know. But they didn't want the African people to sing about revolution. But then it changed with the because blues. Because it's empowering. It's empowering. And then the, the blues, when come the blues, the blues is, the term blues means the music of the morning, the music of the people crying people, of suffering people. And uh, uh, you, you, you also have the, the rhythm and blues. You also have the gospel in the, in the churches because the churches used to be the place where the, the pastor used to talk about revolution, to talk about, you know, change the, take the, part, the, 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 the Bible's verse and talk about how you can, you know, you don't have to, to, to let people oppress you. You have to fight for your digni- dignity. You have to free yourself. You have to free yourself. And all these things put together from at the end of the 19th or the 70s create hip-hop. But hip-hop in the beginning with people like uh, Chuck D, like Public Enemy, like uh, NWA, like uh, Africa Bambada, we had this message, something to uplift people. But the more we go and the more... Felakuti. Felakuti, that was from Africa. But in the U.S., hip-hop was the son of all this music. But unfortunately, now, all, all of these rappers, they're just talking about having money. 
bling bling, you know, nice house, big house. They don't talk about anymore about the sufferings. They don't talk about these people who need upliftment, who need awareness. And this is, yeah, that's, that's, that's the situation that we're living now. And why do you think that change happened? It changed because, really, the, the real story started with the music industry in the U.S., the music industry in the U.S. has destroyed this fight by giving more money to the rappers who are talking about guns, who are talking about gangster, who are talking about negativity. And they produce all these people and they give money to the radio station to play this music more and more. And the more this music was played and the more people, whoa, this is the new trend. This is, new, this is better than talking about Africa and whatever, whatever. Wanting to change things, and it changed, and it took time. It took time before it just happened. It took years and years and years, and then, yeah, that was the trend. Everybody was supposed to talk about negativity, killing people, going to jail if you want to be recognized. Mm -hmm. And this is what happened. This is why now, 20 years, 30 years later, the rappers they don't even care about the message anymore. Mm -hmm. They're talking about girls, about sex, about violence, about negativity. And they have fancy videos, and the major companies, they pay a lot of money to be played in the TVs, in the radio, and everybody go to buy the city, everybody go to the stadium for the shows, and this is the new stars that you have. They're not spreading positivity anymore. You have maybe one or two, Kendrick Lamar in the U.S., you have J. Cole maybe. So in Africa... We are copying, copying what happened in the, in the U.S. Mm -hmm. If it's big in the U.S., it's big in Africa. Mm -hmm. So if in the U.S. they're talking about sex and drug and whatever, in Africa we just want to copy, we're going to talk about sex and drug and whatever, even though if it's not our reality. But we want to be like, we want to dress like American people. We want to like the fancy car. We want the, you know, the fancy life. And uh, we're copying you know, the, the, wrong, the wrong example. But there are still um, artists in Africa who are still um, having that impact or trying to have that impact on the state of things in Africa, on politics. You mentioned Salif Keita Salif of Keita. Mali, for Alpha instance. Blondie. He has always yeah. been, yeah. he has always played that role. Alpha Blondie, Salif Keita is a griot. He used to, to sing about greatness of people. He used to sing the ancestors of people. He used to be a storyteller, you know. And then... You, re you realize something. When you live in a country where people get killed every day because of terrorism or whatever, you have to say, oh, I'm living, these people are killing my people. So I have to wake, to get up and talk about it. Because if you not talk about it, you look, you're going to look like um, uh, a Bollywood movie. In Bollywood movie, you never see, you know, <laughs> you never see and misery. Being killed. No, <laughs> it's always smiling and dancing. It seems like India is a, is a wonderful place. Mm, a happy so, place. It's a happy place. So that's the same thing. So sometimes the artists, the big artists, have to just look around them and see what's going on and talk about it in the songs. Either way, they just because you know what, all these artists, Yusundu, Alpha Blondie, um, Salif Keita. Uh, I don't know, Kofi Olomide, all these big artists, and they are friends with the African president. If you are friends with someone, you cannot tell him the truth because he's giving you the money. 
if you're friend with these people, so that's when you listen to what Salif Keita was saying, he was saying, eh, Koro, it means uh, Helda. I'm Salif Keita. I don't need politics. I don't need money. I'm not running for president or whatever. But I want to tell you the truth. You have to wake up because our country is dying. You don't have to be under the pressure of Macron. He's a youth. He's a young guy, you know. So this is what he was saying, you know. And it happened like when he said that, Macron was came and do, did this, uh, this uh, you know, asking African uh, population, African president, what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally, uh, you mentioned how Yusandur of uh, Senegal, your own country, became uh, minister of culture. And that meant, you know, compromising, compromising on what he can do as an artist. Some people would argue that the opposite can happen sometimes. If an artist in a position of power he or she can actually make an impact in the sense that because there is funding, because he or she is in charge of the Mm -hmm. whole ministry, Mm -hmm. he or she can spend more money on Mm -hmm. cultural activities, on trying to impact on people's attitudes and all that. What do you think? I think that when you take, when you go to Mali, you have Sheikh Tijan Sisoko, who used to be a minister of culture. He used to, to be a director of movies, you know, he used to be a great movie director. So he was the ministry. He knew what he was talking about when he was talking about culture. When you go to Brazil, Gilberto Gil, he used to be a great singer and he also be, uh, he was a, a minister. When it comes to Senegal, the thing is, Yusundur never, never really talk about politics before a special event happened. And this special event is he wanted to have a radio station and then he wanted to have a TV station. And the president refused to give him this, the, the, the license to have a TV, TV station. So he was hungry. He was really, you know, mad about that. And he starts talking about politics and he starts saying, oh, you know what? I'm not going to, you know, fight against you. And that's how everything started. Mm-hmm. So if, he decided to do it without a purpose. I'd like accept it. I said, "Oh man, this guy is aware. He just want to do something positive for his country." Mm-hmm. But the whole thing was just about gaining the power, mm-hmm. and this is why I don't respect it. I said, "Okay, that's cool. He can give example, but I don't respect the the, the whole thing how it happened mm-hmm. because and we knew we knew how it what what happened. Uh, you know why?" Now he's not president anymore. He's not, like, he's not minister anymore, okay? And the country is suffering. People are claiming that the electricity is too expensive. People are claiming that this and this. But he keep quiet. So if it was real, he's going to even talk about it now. But he's not talking about it now. He's quiet. For the last election, he went on campaign for the president and said, yo, we have to re-elect the president. But now it's quiet. Mm-hmm. So whatever happened in the country, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So that's why I don't respect it. I respect, I would respect it if he keep, he's keep on talking about the, the, the social issues, the political issues in the country, because everybody listens to him. Mm-hmm. But if he's just talking because his interest is in, in, in on the table, I don't know why, you know, it's, it means he's just like doing this thing for himself. He's not doing it for the population, but for himself. And compromising on his credibility, maybe. He's already, yes, compromising his credibility, of course, yeah. Mm -hmm.
Uh, my name is Ahmad Del Attar. I am uh, a theater director and a playwright uh, from Cairo, Egypt. I also uh, run uh, DCAF, Downtown Contemporary Arts Festival, a yearly festival in Cairo, uh, and uh, rehearsal spaces for performing arts, uh, creative office spaces for the creative industries, and uh, a theater, a uh, small venue uh, in, in Cairo. Your point that you started your intervention with was about uh, art and activism. And um, you uh, said that an artist is not supposed to, to be an activist or something along those lines. Can you explain? Yeah, I mean, my point is that an artist is not supposed to be anything that he or she doesn't want to be. It is enough for an artist to just be an artist. If this is what they do and they do well and they don't want to do anything else, they should be uh, kept left in peace, but not only that, supported in that. Because in any way, art is politics. Art is in itself, every work of art is a political action. Uh, whether it, it talks about politics or not, Uh, the issues that it treats and how it treats it, the, the form and content usually has an effect uh, uh, and, and, and about the social issues, the political issues and so forth. So this is why I, and I think that when artists uh, become something else uh, like activists or politicians they actually lose the, the, the spontaneity the um, Uh, you know, the, the, the openness of being an artist, because being an artist is about taking risks, it's about going down a road that not necessarily you know about or you know where it leads you. And uh, that process uh, is not what other, you know, uh, ex experiences around uh, is based on. Mm -hmm. Is that specific to what's called the third world, maybe Africa and the Arab world? Or does it apply to places like Europe, America? Of course, an artist is an artist. I mean, when you go work, watch a piece of art, uh, whether it's a painting or a photography or an installation or a film or a play, uh, it's a, you connect with it, you forget who it is by. Uh, I mean, we talk about Picasso in Van Gogh or we talk about Yusundur or Beyoncé. What we, we like the art. We like the artists regardless if they're American or Egyptian or French or, you know, we read Dickens not because he's British but because he's a great writer. Mm. And that's the whole magic of art is it transgresses boundaries and walls and, and labels. Mm -hmm. So that if it, it, the, the, the whole idea about the artist being able to express themselves and leaving the artist a space and giving them the support to do that without having to force them to do development or uh, activism or politics or whatever is, for me, international, is universal. Mm -hmm. uh, what I meant specifically is people in the third world and specifically in maybe um, in the Arab world and in Africa, uh, people tend to be more politicized than people in general, than the rest of the world, probably because the priorities are different. Therefore, that's where the art and activism is more obvious in those parts of the world than it is in Europe and America, for instance. Yeah, but I mean, I, not necessarily 
sure about that because uh, I mean a lot of the issues that the world is facing are global issues uh, climate change and, 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 and the whole issue about pollution and about uh, and, and that is a global issue it's not necessarily just a third world issue or a first world issue uh, the rise of extremism the rise of the you know the desire to shut oneself off and be surrounded by walls and, and so on is a, a global issue. I mean, Trump, Brexit, uh, the injustice, the economic injustice, the consumption. These are all the issues that, you know, that the artists deal with and they are global. They're not just the third world issue. Uh, I think it's, I think it's the politics that is trying to make us believe that, that these are third world issues and problems. These are not our problems. I really think that the world is in crisis. I think that the West is in crisis. And it's just because it has, uh, we have to admit, uh, uh, a very strong ground that is decreasing by the hour. It, and, and again, it doesn't want to, to admit to itself that there is a crisis. How is it going to solve it? How are you going to turn the whole economy of the society that is based on consumption and based on just buying more and getting more and throwing away the old and getting the new, which drives the whole economic model, how are you going to change it? The crisis is not just in the fact that we are living that, is that in the fact that we don't know how to change that and how to stop it. We don't know how to actually stop traveling and, you know, to save the environment or stop uh, 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 transporting food across the planet so we can eat plums in winter and, uh, and oranges in summer and, and so on. We don't know how to do that anymore. And that's, and, and we don't know how to, to change the system. So we're, we're in it. And I think that, uh, because Again, as you know, the West doesn't want doesn't want itself to see its own problems. Uh, it kind of uh, directs all the attention to the third world. But no, it's a global problem. Mm -hmm. You also talked about how the idea of Africa evolving is a myth. Yeah. Why do you think that? I think that because uh, we always talk about growth, and usually when we talk about growth everywhere, we talk about economic growth. So 5%, 6%, 8%. And when you go on the ground to Africa, North Africa, East, West, South, you cannot not see the misery, the lack of infrastructure, the lack of, uh, uh, of basic human needs of education, health, and so on. Uh, and... You know, of course, there are discrepancies between countries and others, but we're almost all in the same boat. And if that growth is not translated into real change uh, on the ground for the majority of the people and not for a small minority who can buy the fancy cars and travel to Europe and America or whatever and, and have the wonderful houses, then this is not growth. This is uh, injustice. And usually we we talk about growth and again I mean I've I made an example Egypt has been having an economic growth since 20 years now of six to eight percent a year except for the period of the revolution which is normal because you know things were unstable mm -hmm. but now we're back again to the six percent where is the impact of this growth How, where where is that impact this for me. The impact is not there. There is an impact on a small minority, 
but the majority of the society didn't see that impact. And so there is no growth. In that case, why the sudden interest of countries like like China, like uh, India, like uh, um, countries in North Africa, like Egypt, in Africa, all of a sudden, everybody is interested in Africa. There are resources that have always been there and been mined and, 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 and exhausted. And then, again, there is profit. There is interest because there is profit. But how is that profit and development translated really on concrete terms on the ground? You know, this is a question. Uh, the, 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 the entire world economic policy is failing. Okay? Cutting down on taxes... Uh, letting the rich get super rich and the poor get super poor, poor is not working. It's not an, it's not by accident that there are riots in France and strikes, riots in Hong Kong, even in Iraq, a war-torn country that is, you know, uh, very much uh, different religious clans and so on, in Lebanon, where they have been living with that same political system since the 40s. And today they are still, they are revolting. I mean, it's not just the Arab world, it's not the Middle East. It's everywhere because the economic injustices are incredible. As I said, uh, the, the, the big brands of luxury, super luxury, like the things that most people cannot buy, like Hermès, Louis Vuitton, are making massive profits for the last 10 years. The world is collapsing economically. More and more people, even in the, in the, in the super rich countries of the world, are seeing their income decreases or their income compared to the cost of life decreases, even if it doesn't decrease physically. And on the other hand, there are more rich people buying more expensive things. This is not going to work forever. And I think that's a global problem again. That was the ALC Pan-African Radio Magazine program on arts and activism, looking at the challenges and different ways contemporary African artists are using art to shift narratives both at home and abroad. Thank you for listening to the ALC Pan-African Radio's magazine program where we bring you highlights of news from across the African continent. For this and other programs, please visit our website at alcpanafricanradio.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Radio ALC and on Facebook at African Leadership Center.